Good afternoon, Scott Sharp. Guarding talk back again for a Monday afternoon. Afternoon, Greg. It's beautiful out there again. It's one of those perfect winter days that you just love. And I'm, as I woke up this morning, I went, ooh, it's not as dark as it was. I'm not going to have to wander down the road to get my coffee. So spring must be on its oh, way. Cannot wait for it. It's too close. It's it getting is. too cold these mornings. <laughs> it is. Welcome back again, Scotty. Now, what have we got for us today? I thought we'd talk about some uh, plants you can stick in the ground now so that you can start to get them producing for you in uh, spring and summer, and that's asparagus and rhubarb. There's the uh, Trixie and Nectarine, which is a miniature fruiting uh, little tree that you can grow in, uh, you know, in a small backyard or a courtyard. Look, there's other winter pests we can talk about as well. Uh, yeah. And we've got Dorothy on the line from Baddow Bay. How are you, Dorothy? I'm fine, thank you. And you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you very much. What do you got for us? Um, I'm just ringing about uh, the dwarf sweet tea plants. I last season I planted the seeds in a couple of old concrete laundry tubs that I have. Yes. And I put good quality potting mix in there, um, plenty of foliage, not a single flower. So I thought I'll give it another go this year. I've done the same. And the way it's looking, lots of foliage. So I'm wondering if there's anything I can do now to boost the, the flowering or, or create some flowering. <laughs> it might be a little bit late now for this season. Uh, what have you been fertilising it with, Dorothy? Nothing. Nothing, Nothing at all. Okay. That's, it's probably a good thing to fertilise them. Now, the reason I ask that is people often uh, put, you know, grass clippings on, on, onto their garden as a fertiliser, and it's, it's, you know, very high nitrogen. So it actually, uh, you know, provides a lot of green growth like you're getting, but it doesn't work for the flowering of the plant. So right. in your case, you need to use a product called potash, or you can yeah. also use Flourish, which is a more all-round uh, liquid fertiliser. Sorry, uh, what's the name? It's called Flourish. Flourish. But oh, cer okay. certainly you're best to use some sort of potash to promote the flowering. If you've already got a, a healthy green plant, mm. then that's a great thing. Now, the, the other thing that I might have that occurred to me is that using a potty mix, uh, they can actually be uh, acidic and uh, sweet peas like a slightly alkaline soil. So it could be that you add just a, you know, a little sort of dusting of, of lime uh, into that, uh, oh, okay. into that, uh, you know, that uh, concrete pot that you've yep. got just to try and sweeten up the soil for you next yeah. year. So I, I, used, I used to try and grow them. Um, they grew beautifully for me in Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a very clay soil and I tried several times to grow them here and I did sweeten the soil with lime mm. and I did get some result but not as much as I would have liked. All right, so I'll go with the flourish yes. and the lime. Yes, or the, okay. or the sulphate of potash as well, just to specifically promote flowering. I think that's going to be the best thing to get your uh, beautiful sweet peas flowering for you. And Thank you think it's not too late this year? Oh, look, it's a little bit late this year, yeah, you know, okay. but you might as well start just, you know, building up that potash and, and yep. just liming the soil in that, in that pot for you. So it's all ready for okay. next year for you. Okay, thank okay. you very much. Thanks, Dorothy. Bye. Cheers, thanks for asking. Now we've got Carolyn from Belmont. How are you doing, Carolyn? Oh, good, thank you. How can um, we help you, Carolyn? Well, I have a lemon tree in a pot which has produced a lot of lemons, but part of it is looking sick at the moment and there's some sap coming out of one of the branches. How um, And so how old is the, the lemon that you've got there, Carolyn? Um, 
About six years. So it's a, well, it's, look, it's not an old plant by um, any stretch of the imagination, even by my stretch of the imagination. Uh, it, it could be, though, that the plant has uh, had a borer go in there because that's usually uh, the result of sap coming out of a plant like that, that there's been some incursion, uh, you know, in through the bark layer uh, by a borer or a borer weevil of some sort. Uh, so, look, you can either do two things. You can prune that out or you can spray or try and clean that sap away and try and actually inject into that particular area. Um, for me, look, I'd, I'd be more inclined, uh, you know, to try and prune it out if you can, if it's up towards the top of the plant and actually sort of cut the area, the infected area out then the, and toss it away so the borer is gone. Now, if you've got borer in a plant, that often means that, uh, you know, the plant may not be as uh, healthy uh, as it could be. So it's always a good thing to make sure that with citrus that you're regularly fertilising them, probably about three or four times a year, and particularly because they're in a pot. And also that because it's in a pot that uh, you're making sure that it's really, really well watered. Uh, so, you know, at least, you know, once every couple of days with a potted citrus because they, you know, they'll get quite stressed if they dry out like that. And, uh, you know, if, if uh, you know, they're getting a bit hungry as well, that'll stress them out as well. So I think you need to take a two-pronged approach. Make sure that the plant's healthy with fertilising and regular watering. And uh, then if you can, try and uh, prune out that, uh, that uh, borer. Or you, alternatively, you can spray and use a, a product called insect and mite killer. That'll be absorbed into the plant and it should kill the insect that's inside there. So it's insect and, and mite killer. And mite. Yeah. Okay, it produced a lot of lemons. I wonder if that just tired the plant out a bit as well. <laughs> well, that's that's a nice way of looking at it. I guess it has. I know if uh, you know, I, I run a couple of miles or something like that, I'm pretty tuckered out by the end of it as well. So that that could be the result that the plant's a little bit tired. And, and look, in truth, that's what it's doing. It, it has to feed from somewhere. Right. And eventually, you know, if it's in if it's in a pot, there's only a finite resource uh, there for it to suck out. It's a bit like you know, coal in the ground. I guess once we use it all up, or petrol, it's it's all gone. So what do we do? Uh, we can't put you know petrol and coal back into the ground to keep on using it, but you can fertilise and regularly fertilise your pot plant so that. Uh, right. But the wasps that were hanging around, do they attack the lemon at all? Look, there is a gall wasp, but not usually you'll see a big. Uh, uh, how would you describe? Like a big, almost a big wart or a big oh, yes. swelling. No, that's not there. no, so I wouldn't be concerned too much about just general wasps uh, in the area. They can actually be beneficial, you know, killing other insects. Oh. Uh, but the gall wasp is something you have to be, uh, you know, uh, a little bit careful about. And if you see that on the plant, you actually have to cut that out and put it into a plastic bag and discard it into the garbage. Okay, just a quick one. Yes. Where do I get calla lilies and what time do I plant? Uh, calla lilies are best uh, bought as a bulb. Uh, I'm always a bit hazy on bulb times, but I'm pretty sure it's time for calla lily bulbs coming into spring. Right, okay. That's the one thing I never seem to remember, you know, when bulbs come out. It's, <laughs> they always come out at the, you know, completely the different time as when they flower, so it's uh, something you have to think about. But I'm pretty sure that's a, a spring for your calla lilies. Oh, and do you uh, hold the bulbs there? At Sharp Nursery? Yeah, yes, we, we will be. I'm, I'm sure we haven't got any at the moment, but as we get closer into spring, that's something we will have there. Oh, fine. Thank you very Actually, much for your help. Thank you, Carolyn. Appreciate it. Thank it, you, bye. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 103.7. If you do have any questions, give us a call on 49 at 216 216. And Sue from Stroud, how are you, Sue? Ah, uh, yes, good, thank you. That's very good. How can we help um, you, Sue? Yeah, I've got a couple of problems. Um, I've got a couple of jacarandas in my backyard and um, I've been covering them um, every night mm -hmm. um, because of frost. 
they're not, they've only been in a little while. Um, but I missed the first frost. Um, and two of them have been frostbitten on the tip, on the, you know, the, the top of the trunk, you know. Um, and um, the rest of the tree's fine. Um, it's just the, the top of the trunk um, has been, um, has, has died. You know, it's been frostbitten. And I don't know what to do. Do I, do I sort of cut it, you know, snip it or... Yeah, so look, frost frost is an absolute bugger for plants. It, it really really hurts them quite a bit, and you can see what's happened to yours. In 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 effect, what the frost has done is it's sort of cut it and cauterized the top of the plant for yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so w- what you're going to find is that the plant will actually shoot from there. So it, it's it's said to itself, oh, oh, geez, you know, I've got some die back here. What am I going to do? I want to survive. So from that point, it will spread out. So you'll probably get two branches coming out from that. That's not a bad thing. It's it may well you know you know sort of change the shape of the tree you might lose that main leader that's going up but it's not it's not a bad thing as long as the rest of the plants sort of survived those tips are always going to be the most uh, you know susceptible to the cold and to the frost because that's the where the newest growth is and, and it's you know it's still quite nice and soft and uh, sort of juicy there it hasn't hardened up so uh, look I, I wouldn't be concerned just keep on you know protecting it as much as you can against any frost yeah. that we still might have and, uh, yeah, don't, don't... I'm, I'm putting layers on them now. That first frost, I only had one layer over it, yes. and the frost got through the layer. So yeah. now I've got two or three layers over the trees well, so once you um, once your tree gets big enough it'll sort of be able to cope with it so if it does get a you know a bad frost and it gets burnt back well it's you know it's sort of got the oomph there that it can you know power back through that but when they're a young sort of uh you know tender little thing then it's it's important that you do cover them because they just haven't got the the resources to uh you well, know to spring back so yeah keep on covering it maybe even do it for the next couple of years just until it gets you know almost too big i guess that you can toss your blankets or whatever over yeah, there yeah yeah so, so that that tip that's quite hard, it's yes. quite brown. Um, it, 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 I, I, it, you reckon it'll sprout from there? It, it should. It should. Get yes, it should sprout from below wherever that dieback is. Look, if you want to, you you can yeah. go and you can go and cut that off. It's not going to harm it, but effectively, that's oh. what that's what nature's done anyway. It's it's burnt it back, uh, and it's 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 put it into that uh, you know cut it back to that area, and it will sprout from wherever it's alive. Oh, okay. Excellent. Right now, the other problem I have is with a hop bush. Yes. Um, which has been in now. Um, oh, this is probably the second year, and it was it was really growing well. Um, it was really taking off, and anyway, um, now it's got like little seeds on it, mm-hmm. um, but it's also got a bit of leaf curl, and I think the plant has shrunk. <laughs> Look, you know, like it, it doesn't seem to be as tall as what it was. I, I know we get, I know we shrink as we get older, but uh, this is all a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hop bush, you know, the, it could um, get a rust on there. That's about the only thing I can think of with a hop bush because they're generally a pretty tough old plant. Yeah. Uh, and that that would be and I've seen some lily pillies get uh, myrtle rust on them and see them start to you know you just think that they're dying back um, if you don't and, notice the and, little and yellow the spots little, the little seeds on them yes. you know it's the red one it's, I believe there's two there's a purple one and the other one I've yes. got the, the red one I think um, but they're not, it's not flowering it's just got the, the little buds on it 
Well, as a first port of call on this one, and, and I, I would, well, firstly, I would probably take a piece of the plant, some of those outer shoots, into your local garden centre, see if they can identify a problem with you. If that's not possible, uh, I'd grab a fungicide like copper oxychloride or Mancozeb Plus and spray it with that, uh, just in case it is this myrtle rust, and that should start to get it back under control. Um, but otherwise, that, that's that's about the only thing I can suggest without having a squeeze at it, is to, uh, you know, you use a fungicide if it is a myrtle rust try and get it under control and uh, or otherwise grab some and take it into your local garden center let them have a look at it and see if they well, can what identify. about malathon well malathon's an insecticide so it would actually oh, have to be right. you know a grasshopper or some sort of insect that's actually yeah. there eating it and, and unless you've seen that yeah, uh, no, then haven't. yeah then I, i'd probably treat it as a as a fungus of some sort and then right. uh, yeah definitely get some in for someone to have a look at and i've got joy from brankston how are you joy very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. That's good. Now you've got something about a China pink shrub. Yes, um, I put it in, um, I think it was about last September, October. It's taken very well. It, uh, it grew lots of uh, young, long, young uh, branches on it. But I've noticed in about the past six weeks that it's uh, losing a lot of leaves. And I'm wondering if I should cut those longish branches back. It does have a lot, looks like a lot of new foliage coming at the base, but I'm not sure what I should do, where I should prune it. I don't know much about China pink. <laughs> China pinks, uh, you know, it's an excellent hedging plant, uh, Joy. It is very, very easy to prune back. I'm just wondering why it's losing its leaves, though. It, it, would it just be the cold that you've had up there at Brankston? Is that, is that possibly, have you, you had many frosts or anything on there? Yeah, we have had some frosts and it's been terribly wet. We've had very little in the way of normal winter sunshine and I just although it is in an area it's against a southern fence so it gets a lot of northern sun what the sun that is around but I I thought it might have been the winter the the coldish weather too so but what should I should I cut those branches that are coming bare should I cut them back well have have they actually died are they still a little bit green inside because if they are still green you just leave them and the the you know the new uh, shoots will come back out of there so what you probably best to do is just grab your secateurs mm-hmm. and just start up the top and just have a quick little snip and see if it's still green inside there if it has you know died off because it's had a frost then yeah. uh, it might be best just to start pruning that back we're just talking to Sue from up at Stroud about her uh, jacket that that had been uh, cut you know cut back by the frost I guess yeah. is a, probably a good way to describe it and uh, I, with her I said well look it's just naturally done it anyway but if yours is a little bit long and straggling you find that those branches are dead inside you just start on the outside and just c- keep on snipping back until you reach them green mm-hmm. and that's when you stop and you let it reshoot from back there okay. uh, I, I would think that you know it could be the cold up there with the plant uh, and the, just the you know the wet weather that we have had that would make them lose their leaves a little bit, but they are a pretty tough plant. I, I wouldn't certainly give up on it. Okay. And a, and a beautiful beautiful hedging plant as well. I've yeah. seen them where they're you know cut back to a really nice tight hedge, and people if you do it just at the right time, um, you know before they flower, every it just looks like there's this perfect sort of uh, you know you know uh, that dark burgundy colour of the plant covered in this beautiful pink flower that like a little spider or something uh, yeah. all over. They look really, really beautiful. So uh, it's going to be a fantastic plant for you. I wouldn't worry about it, uh, but I would go back and just see if it uh, has been affected by the frost or the cold and give it a little cut back there. And look, I've got white um, geranium. Yes. I've got a a geranium that is a fantastic... 
<coughs> sorry. No, that's all right. Still with us there, Joy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got a fantastic flower, but yes. the white one, it grows well, but it won't flower. Is that, um, does, your, does it need potash? Yes, I'd, I'd put some uh, all-purpose fertiliser or some potash onto it just to try and promote that flowering. I guess, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think, whites, yeah, reds always seem to be, uh, you know, a better flower, but is that yeah. just because they're a brighter colour and, um, you know, my eye notices them more? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, look, but certainly uh, using potash on any flowering plants only going to help it. It's going to promote flowering, and that's what you really want it to do. So yeah, give that a try. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, today. go have a drink, Joy. <laughs> clear, the, clear the throat. <laughs> See you later. Here's Gardening Talk back on to 2NURFM. We've got Don from Maitland. Don, you've got an issue with your worms. Yes, um, I think it's a grub rather than a worm. It's yes. a ginkgo tree. Yes. And it's getting into the cambium layer. Yes. And it produces a cocoon type thing that it protects itself with. So is that like a frash that's coming out of the holes that it's, that it's boring in there? You yes. think, Don? Yeah. So it sounds like you've got a little borer weevil going in there. Uh, now, that that's, it can be quite a difficult uh, you know, one to get rid of. Uh, what are you, how big's the tree? Is it quite a large tree or only small? It, it's a large one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and that, it, it's terribly hard to get right up the top, and they are up near there. But they're, um, they're going right around Yes, yes, that that that, that is difficult. And killing the, the you, branch. So, short of getting up on a very big tall ladder and spraying uh, to try and get rid of those rid of those uh, borers, mm-hmm. the only other thing you can really do is use confidor tablets. Now, with those confidor tablets, you actually insert them into the soil around the drip line of the plant, and over time. They're uh, sort of just washed into the soil. They go into the into the root system of the plant. They're absorbed up up through the sap stream, and eventually they go and hit those little borers that are up the top there. And so that tablet does the job for you, rather than having to climb up on a big ladder and take a parachute in case you fall, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's and a problem because it's right um, up, up against the house, basically. Yes. And there's a big paved area. That's all right, as long and as she can. Oh, the tablet, the tablets into the lot. area, yeah, yeah. There's no water going through the paving area, even if we put them in the ground. Oh, okay. So it's so it's almost in a in a garden bed where it's been built into around the trunk of the tree, is it? Yes, the the house has been built around the tree. Yeah, okay. Well, that is difficult. Then it may be that you're going to have to use, uh, you know, a, a ladder and a pressure spray of some sort and, and get up on that ladder. Um, always have someone hold it nice and steady for you, of course. You know, we don't want to hear about anyone falling over. Uh, and, and try and get as much, uh, you can get a confidor spray and use it and uh, try and get that as much as you can uh, onto the foliage of the plant. Now, it's a semi-systemic spray, so it will be absorbed in as well. And uh, then that will go through the sap stream. So I'd give that a try and uh, and see how you go. Otherwise, the only other way you can try and uh, you know sort the, the borer problem out is to actually physically try and prune it out and try and identify where you know where it's got down to and prune that. But in a big tree like that, it can be very difficult. It could have done, you know, got right down into the lower branches of the tree and you're just going to, you know, prune the tree back and make it unsightly. Uh, so I, I would think that spraying is going to be the best thing for you. If you can get some of those Confidor tablets into the ground, uh, I'd give those a try as well. Okay, but then we can spray the leaves with it as well. You, you certainly can, yes. Okay, thank you, Don. Thank you very much. Okay, appreciate it. Cheers, thank Don. you. We've got John from Mayfield West and he's something wrong with fungicide, John. Yes, mate. Yes, uh, I, I only one question. Like, uh, which is the best product, uh, copper oxychloride or uh, lime sulphur, 
to um, spray their freshly uh, winter pruned roses. Yeah, so you, you, you best, uh, John, to uh, use the uh, lime sulphur on the roses that you've just pruned. And right. uh, what that does is actually seals up the ends of the uh, pruning. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So it stops any, you know, uh, fungus uh, getting into that, those ends. It, yeah, also gets, up, yeah. it also gets rid of any uh, scale that's down the, uh, the yeah, uh, stem. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So, yeah. look, that, it, it is the best one to use. Now, okay. the, uh, you wouldn't use it, though, during the year when there's foliage on there because the no, lime... No, no, it'll burn yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the lime sulfur will just burn it straight away. So that's exactly. when you'd use a, a copper spray or mancozeb or even triferine to try and keep the uh, the black spot away. But certainly at this time of year, once the rose is bare, go and mix up the lime sulfur, make lime it all, sulfur. Ni- all nice and smelly like rotten eggs, I know. Yes, it. <laughs> mate, <yeah. laughs> Oh, it stinks. It really does. I, I hate getting it on me. It, <laughs> you just uh, oh, can't well. get rid of it till the, rest, for, till the end of the day. So. Yeah, go with the... Uh, with the trade. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. The, va- the van smells at this time of year. No one wants to use the old van because <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's what we use for rose pruning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, mate. Uh, not a problem, John. Okay, mate. You have a good one, mate. You too. Cheers. Okay. Thanks very much, John. Now we've got Pat from Warrabrook. Now, something with rhubarbs, Pat. Yeah, um, I've got a, a rhubarb plant. It belonged to my mother um, for many years. Mm-hmm. And um, when she died, I brought it into my place. Uh, last year I split it out because it's become pot-bound, um, and this year it's not doing very well. Um, the leaves are going yellow, and I'm not sure whether the, the uh, crown is too old or if I need a new crown or whether I'll just give it something to boost it again. It, it it shouldn't be, Pat. Uh, what happens with rhubarb, it just keeps on sort of spreading out until you get a big patch. It could be that you, because you've got it in a pot, it just hasn't been able to spread out as much as it wants to. Oh, okay. Because when, when, if you even jump on the uh, internet, uh, God bless it, um, you, you can see uh, huge big rhubarb patches, and they, they quite almost take over. You know, they can get quite large. Yeah, and yeah. And obviously, the, you know, the nice new fresh stalks are always going to be on the outside of that. So I wouldn't think that's a problem. It could also be that we've just had, you know, so much sort of inclement weather. We've had rain, we've had cold. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the rhubarb really doesn't like that sort of that sort of weather. It likes okay. to be um, yep. semi-shade, um, you know, full sun it'll grow in. I, I would yeah, be... I'll move, I'm going to move the pot into full sun against a brick wall. Would that be too hot for it? No, that, that should be okay. Uh, in summer it might get a little bit hot, but at the moment... Yeah, I can it, move it again then. Yeah, I, I would think that at, at this time of year it's probably the best spot for it and then once we start to heat up again yep. uh, you can uh, move that back to a sort of a semi-shade position but at yeah, the moment I think right it'd be a great spot. And what's the best thing to feed it with? We've just been giving it um, all-purpose food that we give everything. Is that a slow release one you're using? Or? Yeah. yeah. Yep. It, it might be better to use a, uh, a more uh, you know a liquid fertiliser. It's, uh, it's more instant I, I guess is the best way to describe it. So okay. when you start using a liquid fertiliser, it's actually feeding the plant you know, within a week rather yeah. than when you're using the pellets. They have a breakdown time, usually of about three months. So it's a very slow feed for those. So I'd be using uh, yeah, a, 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 pl- a plant food that's uh, a bit more high in nitrogen. There's a, one called Flourish, and it's called Green and, and Growth. You can use that oh, one. Yeah, on, that. Yeah, you yep. can use that on, on rhubarb and give that one a try. It will right. start feeding it almost instantly for you and should okay. pick should pick the plant I love up. My rhubarb. <laughs> I've never really okay. quite I've never really quite understood it. I noticed it was on Master Chef last night and one of the poor girls burnt it, but uh... Oh no. <laughs>
So I guess it wouldn't wouldn't okay, taste then, very good then at all. <laughs> thanks very much, Pat. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Pat. And speaking of rhubarb, you've brought in are they rhubarb seeds as well, Scott. Or? Well, there's not actually. Well, like uh, here we are on radio, and I'm going to show Greg. It's like a funny little corm in there. It's not really a seed. So oh, okay. you stick that in the ground, and it's almost like a bulb, I guess. And yep. that will start to to take off. People call it a crown, uh, and uh, off it goes from there. It'll just start to sort of spread out from there. Uh, so uh, rhubarb's a funny look, a funny plant. People often ring up and say, well, I'm dropping it everywhere all over the desk. <laughs> <laughs> the packet is officially open. Yes, the cleaner's not going to be very happy about yeah. that, <laughs> especially when I sort of blow it into all the equipment later on accidentally. Uh, they they like to be in the full sun, uh, part shade. They really should be, uh, I guess, in the ground, like I was saying before to Pat, so that they can spread out and get bigger and bigger. Uh, once you put that, that first one in, you probably wouldn't touch it, you know, until next year because your rhubarb won't have spread out enough you'd just be cutting one or two off and i guess you can't make much of a pie no it'd be like a thimble sort of apple and rhubarb pie that you'd be trying to cook i think what else you can make with rhubarb but pie is the only thing that's about the only thing well if we'd watched master chef last night mate well she burnt it so (laughs) she ruined it that's not really (laughs) (laughs) that's true so it is it is a nice easy plant to uh to grow people often ring up and say why aren't the stalks red uh i've never really had an answer to that they say when they're young they start out green and then they sort of redden up after as that get as it gets older so that could be a way to do it uh, i think fertilizing as well uh you know a bit of blood and bones good for them too but uh I, certainly if you, uh, for someone like pat who's got it in a pot you just need to use liquid fertilizer to give it that instant feed very good it is gardening talk back on two and you rfm 103.7 we've got carol from whitebridge and with a pot plant or something carol is it Ah, uh, yes, I don't usually have pot plants inside, but I've just got this one and it's growing beautiful. Yes. But I've got sea salt. Yes. And I don't know how often to put that on <laughs> and I don't know how often to water it. So it's really dry. So sea salt. God bless Don Burke. I'm pretty sure um, a, a few years ago he got on there and um, said it was the most fantastic fertilizer in the whole wide world, and it is a pretty good fertilizer, but it's not an all-purpose fertilizer. It's really only good for the root system of the plant. Uh, so I know oh people come in, and there's always this sort of mythology about sea salt, and I, I put it down to the Burke factor. God bless him. Um, <laughs> I, if, you, if you've got a, a, a pot plant or any sort of plant, you can use sea salt as a, a sort of a tonic for the roots, but I wouldn't use it thinking it's going to, you know, A, improve the fruiting of the plant or it's going to improve the, you know, sort of the green leafy growth of the plant. You well, really, the plant's beautiful. <laughs> that's, well, it, it does aid to the all-round health of the plant, but it's not a very – it's, it's specifically for – the root system of a plant. So, for instance, oh, okay. if your grass has been growing and then all of a sudden army grub or cricket have gone in and eaten all the root system away, sea salt's fantastic for rejuvenating the root system of the plant, uh, of the grass, and it will just pop back up and it generally aids, uh, you know, making a more healthy plant. But what I'd do, Carol, is I'd use more of a, an all round fertiliser. Now, um, when you're using a pot plant, usually you've, you've got plants in pots, you use uh, something like Osmocote or Nutricote, which are slow-release fertilisers. Yeah, they last yeah, for about... Yeah, I know 
that. Yeah, for about three months or so. In addition to that, you use a product uh, like Flourish. And it's, uh, like we were just talking before, it's more of an instant uh, liquid fertilizer. So at the same time, you're giving this general sort of baseline, you know, rumble in the background feed of your slow release. You're also topping it up all the time. So you start to get a really nice sort of rhythm or pattern about the, the plant. And it starts to get fed in an all-round manner. Keep on using the sea salt if you want to. Uh, you can mix that in with your liquid fertilizer as well. And it will just, you know, generally, you know, make your plant a whole lot healthier but don't don't rely on sea salt alone just for uh, uh, you know for green indoor pot plants but how much how often would I water it now oh well you can you can water a, a pot plant at the moment uh, inside you know make sure it's moist don't let it dry out and get hydrophobia you can probably be uh, watering it you know once a week or twice a week uh, at the moment and you can use your liquid fertilizer once every fortnight for instance on that and maybe you see oh. sold the other uh, you know the other fortnight just to try and uh, help the plant and, get healthy. And can I can I uh, repot it now? Yes, most certainly. Um, any indoor plants you can really repot any time of year because you're not their environment doesn't alter very much you know it doesn't really get much hot or hotter or colder inside so uh you know that it's not susceptible to frost or cold winds or anything so if you want to repot at the moment you can certainly do that well i'll get some osmocote okay thanks carol <laughs> and we've got regina from ye how are you regina i'm good thank you how can we help how can we help um i have a tipachina bush yes and i just wondered when i can prune it and how hard I can prune it. Well, the great thing about Tibicina um, plants is you can prune them pretty much as hard as you want to. Uh, there's two sorts of tip. Well, actually, there's a few different sorts of Tibicinas. The most common ones, though, are Tibicina jewels, which is the one that only gets to about a metre, and the larger ones, Tibicina alstonville, which is a, a more of a tree, I guess, which gets to about three metres tall. And I've seen them pruned, you know, back to sort of half a metre and they'll still sprout back from out of that stump and off they go again forming a really beautiful sort of plant uh, now with the jewels which one have you got uh, there Regina? Oh, the, the small one so I probably wouldn't prune it back quite as hard. They're a very, very tough plant. I've seen them grow in heavy, heavy clay, you know, sort of shale soils. They grow almost anywhere except in the salt and the wind. They don't really like that. Uh, so for yours, I'd just give it, you know, almost a light sort of shaving back, uh, you know, maybe a third of the plant um, would be the maximum amount you'd take off. I wouldn't do it right now, though. Uh, it's probably still a little bit cold. You'll do it and not much will happen. The plant will just sit there and it won't really grow back. I'd wait until... Oh, what are we in now? Almost the end of July, I guess. So even mm. two or three more weeks, and then give it a prune. Then, and you'll find that it'll come back a lot quicker for you, and you'll be a lot happier with the plant. You'll think it's performing for you and doing all the right things that it should be doing. Thank you very much. That's all right. Not a problem. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Regina. Cheers. We've got Kathy from Spears Point, and you got something about a lime tree and a pot plant, is it, Kathy? Yes, I've been trying to grow a lime a lime tree for. Five years. Yes. Um, but after three years, I end up having to get rid of the first one. Yeah. And now I've got one that's got a lot of flowers. Yes. And one lime. How can I stop the flowers, you know, um, from fruiting? 
Are like you, or, or or make them fruit. Oh, you want to make you you want to make them fruit. Well, it's usually with a, a young plant like that. I always say pick some of the flowers off because the uh, you know the the plant if it's only a small one just hasn't quite got the uh, you know the energy to put into all that fruit. That said, you can you can get them to 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 fruit uh, quite um, well in a in a pot. Um, what you have to do though is at this time of year, once the wind starts to come around, it will blow all of that fruit off. And if the if the plant's dried out in a pot, it will, the plant will also get stressed and it will drop the flowers uh, as a way of survival. So at this time of year, you have to make sure that the plant's being really, really, really well watered. And I'm talking, you know, like once or even twice a day if it starts to get windy, and, oh, really? windy and dry oh. out there like it is there. Because the first thing the plant will drop. Is that uh, is that flower and fruit because it wants to survive and it will just drop that as its means of survival because it doesn't want to have to put all of that energy into it. Yeah, some of the little um, buds are coming into um, fruit, but I'm just finding they drop off after a while. Yeah, that, that, are you fertilising the plant as well? Let me know. What can I do? I'd, I'd use a liquid fertiliser on the on the plant. I use uh, Flourish. That's it's an excellent one to use because it's nice and safe. Uh, you're watering the plant at the same time. You can probably use that once every fortnight if you'd like to. Some people even use it once a week. Oh, and so it's a, one. Oh, right. So maybe I'm not doing it as often as I should. Oh, no, definitely not. Look, citrus are very, very heavy feeders. uh, So they like to be fed, you know, probably three or four times a year with an organic fertiliser. And then other times in a pot, you can use uh, the liquid fertiliser like Flourish and uh, give that that instant feed. I'd also, again, just make sure it's being really, really well watered at this time of year. So would sea salt? Help it. Uh, sea salt does help, uh, but again, we were just talking to uh, Carol from uh, Whitebridge before about sea salt. It's not a you know a cure at all tonic like Don Burke, God bless him, uh, tried to make out that it was some time ago. Uh, I would only use it as a uh, as, as something that's going to sort of aid in a general way for the plant, especially for the root system of the plant. You're best to use an all-purpose fertilizer uh, like Flourish. Or one of the uh, pelletized um, uh, sort of organic um, manures as well that are slow release. Um, certainly use your sea salt, but don't expect it to help the fruiting of the plant or the the leafy growth of the plant. What about dynamic lifter? Yes, dynamic lifter. That's fine. It's a poultry manure based fertilizer, so you can use that. Uh, you can use that probably every three or four months if you want to on your citrus in a pot. Oh, that sounds great. Okay. I'll, I'll... I'll give that a go. Thank you okay, very much. Thank you, for, thank you, Kathy. Good luck with that one. And last but not least, we do have Sue from Waratah. How can we help you, you, Sue? How are you? Good, good. I've got clay soil and I can't, um, I've got plants in at the moment without doing anything. Mm-hmm. They're just sitting there. So, what can I do about that? You can do something about that. There's, uh, you can use gypsum if you want to and try and dig that into the soil around the plant. Okay. Or there is actually even a much cleverer way, and it's called liquid clay breaker and you mix that up into your watering can and water it down into the soil around the plants and over time it also just breaks up the clay uh, you need to also try and get manures and stuff into the uh, into the soil around there so what that does is if you've got manure and mulches around your plants all the organic matter starts to get the worms in there and then the worms uh, they eat as they go down through they go through the clay and they poo the good stuff out the back 
and that only helps the plant as well. So uh, liquid clay breaker, uh, manures and uh, mulch, it just helps make it a much sort of more enticing area for the worms to come into. And over time, you just make your soil much healthier and it breaks down the clay. Oh, okay. And then so your plants will grow a whole lot better. Which manures can uh, mushroom or um, cow or... Horse, whatever. Yeah, uh, look, a horse, um, there's always a good reason that it's free, and that's it's usually... Because it grows. Uh, well, yeah, because it grows. The horse has only got, um, look, I'm no vet, but I believe the horse has only got one stomach in there, uh, whereas the cow's got um, more than that. I think yeah. three, my little boy was saying the other day. I don't know why he did... Because yeah. we, that's right, we're driving along. Right. He saw a cow, and he said, oh, the cows have got three stomachs. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, but what that means is that when the cow eats, it actually is breaking down its food a whole lot better. Uh, with the horse that eats it, it you know, um, you know, goes through the one stomach, it pops out the back in a certain sort of way, and you always see the grass and you know, sort of the undigested um, stuff that it's been eating in there. Uh, so it doesn't it doesn't work as well as a manure. So use cow manure, poultry manure, mushroom compost, uh, sugar cane mulch, anything like that, just to try and get some some good healthy organic matter in around the plants, and then the worms they will come. Okay, then. Okay. Well, well thank you very much okay, for your help. Pl- thank you, Sue. Bye. Cheers. Some very nice lunchtime chat there <laughs> about manure and stomachs. and uh, <laughs> Quite lovely. Scott? As, uh, you're, as you're eating your sandwich today, Greg, you can think back on that. Oh, oh, oh definitely will try not to. Okay. <laughs> That's all we've got time for this today on Gardening Talk back on the 2 and you are at FM. Scott Sharp, thanks for coming in once again. Thank you. Nice to have you back. And as